Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing with, the, with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman I entered into your house? You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them. With the hair of her head, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Oh, is this who all who even forgive sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. The Gospel this morning is speaking about the sinful woman who came and uh, wiped and washed the, the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, asking for forgiveness and in repentance. And I want to talk about uh, this passage and what it means to love God. But before we do that, I actually just want to point out something in the readings. Uh, if you noticed, most of the readings of this weekend were focused on women. Uh, this morning, this, the gospel this morning, obviously the, the sinful woman. Uh, the, in, in Matins, it was the Canaanite woman who was asking God uh, for healing. Uh, in Vespers, we talked about the, the woman who had the flow of blood. And even, uh, I want to say, in the either, I think it was in uh, the Acts, the reading of the Acts, was uh, the raising of Tabitha. So, uh, why I wanted to point that out is because many, many times the church is accused of sort of being uh, sort of behind on the times and the, the church should be supporting women more and the church should be treating women uh, better. And I want to say not to be deceived by uh, the, the culture around you, the, the current uh, sort of the, a wave of feminism which calls for not just equality with men and women, which of course the gospel preaches, but calls for something more than this, something like akin to uh, a lack of differentiation between the sexes. Our mother, the church, these readings are put in, I, I think the readings, these katamars was written or finalized in the 11th and 12th centuries. You can imagine that people in the 11th, 12th centuries thought to themselves, we need to highlight the women, the women of faith, the women of repentance, the women who our Lord Jesus Christ said about the Canaanite women that I don't even find this faith even in Israel. So he's highlighting the, the, the faith of, of, of women, and the church is highlighting the women who lived and acted righteously. So I just wanted to mention that uh, before we start the sermon, that uh, the church definitely is preaching the same thing which our Lord Jesus Christ practiced in his life, which the scriptures teach us, which is equality between uh, men and women in the eyes of God, not necessarily meaning that they are the same, but that they are equal. So anyway, back to the gospel. Of this morning, if you look at our Lord Jesus Christ speaking to this woman, and he talks to Simon, and he's speaking to her him primarily about love, and it makes me think of ourselves. Or should we think to ourselves, why are there some Christians who seem to be very much so in love with Christ? And you look at them, you say, wow, they look like they they really love God. I wish I could be like them. The gospel this morning gives us some insight on how to do that. The narrative of the incident in the gospel when our Lord Jesus Christ is a guest of Simon the Pharisee. Halfway during the meal, a, a, a sinful woman comes and approaches Jesus. And, he, and she fell down at his feet and she started wetting his feet with her tears and she wiped them with the hairs of her head. And Simon is like disgusted at this sight. And then our Lord Jesus Christ tells him the parable about the person who forgave two debtors. And our Lord Jesus Christ asked Simon, which of these people will love him more? And Simon answered, the debtor who probably was forgiven more. And so our Lord Jesus Christ says, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven because of her great love. But whoever has been forgiven little, the same loves little. St. Ambrose of Milan, he comments on these two debtors. He's saying that they represent the Jews and the Gentiles in their debt to God. He says that they don't owe God material wealth, 
but they owe him, or he, the, the Jews and the Gentiles owe him, standards of merit, accounts of virtues. He says we owe him seriousness in our spirituality, we owe him acts of righteousness. And St. Ambrose, when he's talking about these verses, he continues saying, there is nothing that we can worthily repay to God for the harm to the flesh he assumed, for the blows, the cross, the death, and the burial. Woe is me if I have not loved. Let us repay love for our debt, charity for the gift, and grace for wealth. He to whom more is given, loves more. This is really the essential, essentially the core of what I want to speak about. When we encounter God, I am convicted of my sins. And when I, when I have that encounter, I am ready then to commit my life. And when this happens, I love greatly. If I have not been convicted of my sins or don't understand, basically what I'm saying is when I don't understand the gravity of my sins throughout my Christian life, then I cannot come to the realization of the great price that our Lord Jesus Christ paid and the love of the Father to give His only begotten Son. Sometimes the knowledge of the Gospels becomes so familiar to the point of being boring. Then I will love little. When you look at the lives of people who are at one point very far from God and then come to know Him more closely, you can see the difference. Someone like St. Mary of Egypt, someone like St. Augustine, someone like St. Moses, they are keenly aware of how much has been forgiven them. They know exactly the depths of the slavery of sin that they were formerly in and how God pulled them out of it. And because of this, their love for Him is great and permeates every single part of their life. You know, I'm not saying that you have to be a terrible criminal, you have to commit grave sins in order to really understand God's love. That's sometimes what people take away from the events of the Gospel we heard. We think to ourselves, there's no way for me to reach the amount of love and the repentance of this woman that the love that she had for Christ because I've never fallen to the extent that this woman fell this is missing the entire point of the message a person who is truly convicted by the Holy Spirit will be acutely aware of the sins that they've committed they would have the understanding for example that sinful thoughts are the same as the actions that follow them the person who is attuned to the Holy Spirit is aware that the little foxes in their life can be just as destructive as big sins. The woman poured out expensive perfume out of her devotion to the Lord. And another part of the Gospel another time says that this was preparation for his burial. And when that person, when the woman came and, and did this, Judas was rebuking her for the extra, extravagant manner that she was using the perfume for our Lord Jesus Christ alone. The only thing he was concerned for was the money, how much it was worth. And actually it was worth a year's wages. So like today's time, it would be worth like $30,000, $40,000. The question I would like all of us to ask ourselves today, what is our measurement of Christ? What is too much to be spent on Christ? The woman who poured out the perfume did not have a concern for money because she didn't think it was an extravagant thing to do. She poured everything out of 
the jar on our Lord Jesus Christ alone. And in the Gospel of St. Mark, in that particular event, he says, wherever the Gospels preach throughout the world, what has done will also be told in memory of her. So this woman, like the repentant woman, has a deep love for Christ that makes any cost seem like nothing. St. Paul, he shares this sort of similar sentiment in his letter to the Philippians. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet I indeed also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Do we have this feeling when we're thinking about Christ? When we think about following His commands, or serving Him, or sacrificing for Him? You know, there's another example of this extreme love in a slightly different way in the Old Testament. The biblical story of Jacob. He loved Rachel and he asked his uncle Laban for her hand in marriage. And since Jacob didn't have any money for a dowry, Laban sent, set the condition that Jacob would work for him for seven years in order to marry his daughter. The book of Genesis tells us this, Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. So see how much Jacob loved Rachel? So great was this love that the years to him were like only days. And as we know from the story, in the end actually Jacob worked 14 years in order to marry her. But this was the love of Jacob for Rachel. In contrast sometimes, us as believers, some of us sometimes feel like we have to make many sacrifices in order to be Christian. I have to stop going to nightclubs. I have to give up sinful lifestyle. I have to give up gambling. I have to give up drinking. People constantly ask me questions like, why is it wrong to do this? Why is it wrong to do that? And the feeling I get when I hear these questions sometimes is they want to know, what is the bare minimum that I need to give up for Christ and no more than this? To them, it's too high a cost too great a sacrifice that they have to make. They are sort of making a mental note of what they're willing and not willing to give up and how far they're willing to go with Christ. You know, there's a time in the Old Testament when King David wanted to offer a sacrifice to God. And he went to this guy, his name is Ornan, and he said, give me part of your threshing floor that I'm going to build an altar on it for the Lord. And he says to him, you shall grant it to me at the full price that the plague may be withdrawn for the people. So David is saying, King David is saying, I want to pay for this place to offer a sacrifice to God and I want to pay the full price for this place. And this guy ordered he says to David, take it for yourself and let my Lord the King do what is good in his eyes. Look, I will also give you the oxen for burnt offerings, the threshing implements for wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. So this guy Ornan is thinking to himself, the king is asking me for something. I should give it to him for free. He's asking for a good thing to sacrifice. I'm going to give it to him for nothing. I want to offer something from myself. Look at the answer of David. King David says to Ornan, No, but I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. So David says, it's not an offering, it's not a sacrifice to God, 
if I give him something that was given to me for free. The owner offers David to have it for free. He says, no, I have to buy it at the full price. King David understood the meaning of costly worship. He wouldn't offer anything that does not involve cost or sacrifice on his part. It's not because, by the way, that God is so needy that He needs men and women to sacrifice to Him. But the sacrifice reflects the immeasurable high price paid on the cross in order to grant us access to God. You know, when St. John saw in the book of Revelation a lamb sitting on the throne, our Lord Jesus Christ is this lamb who takes away this in the world. He takes away all of our sins. The worship under the Old Covenant involved choosing a lamb without blemish, offering it to God. The sacrifice is a costly one. If a person were to offer a lamb that was blemished or blind or handicapped, it should be by the priests rejected. This speaks of sort of the carefulness and the seriousness of the process. Worship has to be done with reverence and with, with, with respect to the Lord. And when we come into God's presence, we can't be too casual. We have to examine ourselves. The love of our Lord Jesus Christ that He has for us is without comparison. The Bible tells us that He is looking forward to the joy of saving us and having us with Him in eternity. He didn't think about this sacrifice that it's too much. A person who is consumed with intense love does not count the cost. If you imagine a mother who jumps into the river to save her baby, she's not going to count the cost. Or a man who runs into a burning house to save his wife and children, he's not going to consider how dangerous what he's about to do is. True love does not consider this as a sacrifice. Only a bystander or observer will think of it as a sacrifice. He'll say, oh wow, what a great sacrifice this person made. But to the one who loves, he calls it out for what it is to be, love. So my main point is when we realize how much our Lord Jesus Christ has given us, we can develop a deep love for Him. When our Lord Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, He was looking forward to the joy of our salvation so that we can be with Him forever. So we need to reciprocate His love by growing in our love for Him daily. Let's take time to examine ourselves in order to be keenly aware of how much we have been covered, how much we have been forgiven. Let's take time to remind ourselves of the love that God has shown us. You remember in the letter of St. John, he says, we love Him because He first loved us. When we become aware of God's love for us, it's easy to sacrifice. Because sacrifice then does not come out of obligation, but it comes out of a genuine desire and, and love for Him. May God grow and, and make this love in us be a love that moves us towards action. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.